chapter 9, excuse me, Acts chapter 4. Last week, last week we saw how a man named Paul, right? Paul, this man who was, who was powerfully used of God, uh, a man who the Holy Spirit used to write so much of the New Testament and many of those books with place names and people names are, are, were written, directed by the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit through the person of Paul. Paul, as we looked at last week, also went on many, many journeys uh, to many places to tell many people the message of Jesus Christ, right? His spiritual work. People were changed when Paul, the apostle, went and proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ. But here's the thing, with all of Paul's travels, right, in that, that almost that last map in your Bible, when you see all of those lines and all of those travels, all of those miles on a, on a maybe on a donkey, that would be a good day, but most of them walking or, or on a, a ship that's moving about, when you see those things, Paul was doing that to take this message out, but Paul never traveled alone. In his three missionary journeys, and even on his final journey to Rome as a prisoner, Paul was never alone. Paul did not travel alone. Acts chapter 4, your turn there, introduces us to the first person, the first person that would later travel with the Apostle Paul. So in Acts chapter 4, this is the, the birth date of the church is Acts chapter 2. This is the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came. Jesus had already ascended into heaven before that, of course. He had died and rose from the dead. He sent his Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, and that is the birth of the church. So by Acts chapter 4, the church is still relatively small. It's relatively young. And Acts chapter 4, verse 34 says this. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. So let me just explain this. Again, the church is rather new. The church is also countercultural. Let me just add this. The church operates best when it is countercultural, when it is different from the prevailing culture, and this was the case here. But because it was countercultural, because people were renouncing their old gods and renouncing their old ways, repenting from them and turning away, then it affected them financially. Some of them made money by ungodly ways, and when they came to Christ, that stopped. Some of them were perhaps fired from jobs because they no longer worshipped the Greek false gods that were prevalent at the time. So it affected them economically. And it says here that there were many people that, that saw this need. They sold land and they gave it to the, the apostles or the disciples and they distributed it. And, and so this is, this is the case here. This is what's happening in the early chapters of, of, this, uh, of, of, of the book of Acts. But verse 36 gives a specific example of this, this kind of giving. Joseph, it says, Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it 
at the apostles' feet. So, so in the previous verse that we read, uh, that's a general thing that was happening. And here in verse 36, he gives us a specific example. His name was Joseph, it says, but the disciples called him Barnabas. Barnabas was a nickname uh, uh, that meant someone who encourages or the son of encouragements. Now you think about that. A nickname says a lot about you, right? If, 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 if somebody calls you red, you probably have red hair. If, if, if if someone, if someone calls you slim, you're probably pretty thin. If, if someone calls you some kind, it usually has something to do about you. This man's nickname was the one who encourages, which tells us something about him. I think, it doesn't go into detail the background of this nickname, but I think Barnabas was one of these kinds of people who when they showed up, you just felt better. Not, not like some people, have, and we're not naming any names, but have you ever met anyone? And it's like, boy, you see them coming and you're going, oh boy, hang on tight. This was, this was Barnabas. I think that there was something about him. He's a believer, right? This is still early in the church, so he's one of the early believers. Jesus has got a hold of him and it changed his demeanor. It changed his outlook. And when he comes along, they said, there's this guy. He's just always encouraging. Just his presence is encouraging. That was what, what was happening here. So they, they changed his name from Joseph to, to Barnabas. The word encouragement, let me just add this. The word encouragement, he was called the son of encouragement or the one who encourages. The word encouragement itself literally means to come alongside and to build up. That's important. Encouragement means to come alongside and to build someone up. Now, the word discouragement, particularly in Hebrew, this, is, this would be in Greek, but in the Old Testament Hebrew, uh, it means to dismay. Discouragement means to dismay or to break down. So if you're discouraged, you're broken down. You're dismayed. But if you're encouraged, someone comes alongside you. It almost always involves someone else, and you are built up. He's the one who comes alongside and builds up, they said. That's, that's, that's why we changed his name from calling him Joseph to Barnabas. So Barnabas, when he saw some, some legitimate need among fellow believers because of, of, of their, again, legitimate needs, when he saw this, he, he had some land, he sold some of it, and he gave the proceeds of that sale to the disciples so that they could distribute it to persons with legitimate needs. You, you know, I have found that generous people are often encouraging people. And encouraging people are often generous. I'm not saying that those two are always connected. I just see that a lot. People who tend to be very encouraging are also generous. Generous people are, are very, very encouraging. Now Barnabas, this, this son of encouragement, the one who encourages, appears again in Acts chapter 9. So turn a couple of chapters to the right, Acts chapter 9. Now let me just give a little bit of review. Earlier
in chapter 9, it records Paul's conversion. We looked at that last week. That hit, Paul's conversion is recorded. So, so Barnabas, in Acts chapter 4, uh, he's been a believer long before Paul. In Acts chapter 9, the early verses, it records Paul's conversion. But before coming to Jesus, remember, Paul believed that Jesus was a false teacher. Before he came to Christ, he believed that Christianity was a false religion. So Paul spent his time arresting Christians and trying to stamp out Christianity. He wanted to defeat Christians or arrest them. Some were even being put to death. And he wanted to stamp out Christianity. But then Paul was converted. Early, early verses of chapter 9, Paul is wonderfully converted. Uh, uh, he is transformed from the inside. A spiritual work is done. This was not just, I'm, I'm changing my mind or I'm changing my opinion. His very being was changed. That's what happens when we come to Christ. It's not that we just have a change of, of taste or a change of opinions. We have a change of outlook. We are, everything changes us from the inside out. I have seen people's demeanor change from one moment to the next as they've come to Christ. I've seen even the expression on their face change from one moment to the next as they've come to Christ. So everything began to change about Paul in those early verses. Everything changed. And when he came to Jesus Christ, Paul suddenly had some new problems. Let me just add this as well to, to you personally. If you are new in Jesus Christ or, or if you have yet to accept him, you need to understand this, that coming to Jesus, uh, you leave a whole lot of problems behind. I mean, like, where am I going to spend eternity? Or I feel an enormous amount of guilt because of the things that I've done, or I feel in such bondage. I know I'm in such bondage to so many things. When you come to Jesus Christ, he changes our eternal destination. He changes our desires. He changes our outlook. He forgives our sins. Glory to God. All of that is very good. But in coming to Christ, you also often get a new set of challenges. This is what happened to Paul. In coming to Christ, Paul had some new problems. The people who had, remember, applauded Paul, the guys who had sent him to go and round up Christians, the people who had previously applauded Paul for going out and arresting those Christians and trying to stamp out Christianity, those people now wanted to destroy him. Look at verse 23. It says this. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Why is that? Because the guy who used to be their employee or their ally, or their ally is now opposed to them. The, the, the one who used to work for them is now working against them. It would be like, it would be like uh, 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 they, they, they regarded him as a traitor, as a turncoat. And so they wanted to kill him. If he's no longer with us, then we will take him out. That's what verse 23 is saying. But he also had another problem. Look down at verse 26. It says this, When Paul uh, had come to Jerusalem, 
he attempted to join the disciples, the believers. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. Here's what this means. When he, when he tried to come and connect with his new group, fellow believers, uh, now they're concerned because it wasn't very long before this that he was rounding up people and assisting the death of fellow believers. So now they're afraid of him. They're wondering, is this guy legitimate? They're wondering, is he, is he really one of us or is he, has, is he trying to infiltrate our ranks to find our leaders and then arrest them and they will be killed, martyred? So it says here that they were afraid of him. So at this point, Paul was the ultimate outsider. You ever been an outsider where you're not really a part of a group? You want to be a part of the group, but you're not a part of the group? Paul is the ultimate outsider. His old group wanted him dead, and this new group didn't trust him. So he's in this place. His old group are marking him as public enemy number one. His new group still regards him as public enemy number one. And he's, he's in here, and he's, he's alone. He has no one to connect with. He has no one to identify with. He has no one to say, hey, you're with me. Paul was in a discouraging place. Paul was in a vulnerable place. And I have found, maybe you have as well, that when people are alone, when people are alone, when they have no one to connect to, they're more given to discouragement and they're more vulnerable. Think about that. When people are alone, they're more given to discouragement. They're more vulnerable. Paul needed someone to come alongside him to encourage him. So God, in God's great plan, brought, called on someone else, someone who was known for his encouragement. And look what God did. Uh, look what that man did, uh, directed by God. Look at verse 27. It says this. Barnabas, remember from chapter 4, Barnabas took Paul and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So Paul went in and out among them at Jerusalem preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Here's what Barnabas did. Barnabas essentially put his arm, and maybe even literally, put his arm around Paul and he said to the others, to the other believers, to the disciples, he put his arm around Paul and he says, hey guys, you know me, right? Been around a while. I'm the guy who helps out. Remember some time ago when I brought that, you remember me. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm Joseph. You call me Barnabas, but, but you know me. Well, Paul, he's with me. You don't know a lot about him, but I know that he's the real deal. He's with me. He's legitimate. He's a follower of Jesus Christ. He's got a history, just like you have a history, but also like you, he is now in Jesus Christ. That's what he did. He put his arm around him. 
Again, Barnabas means meant that he came alongside someone and he built them up. That's what he did. He literally came alongside Paul and he said, he is with me and he built him up. And in doing this, Paul the outsider became Paul the insider and Paul would never be the same. I'm going to go so far as to say this. If it weren't for a man named Barnabas, nicknamed Barnabas, I don't think we would know about the man named Paul. Because in that vulnerable position, in that alone place, somebody directed by God came along someone else and said, He is with me. You trust me? You can trust him. Understand, God did not put Barnabas in Paul's life simply because Paul needed a buddy. God had a greater purpose. God wanted to encourage another person in the faith. And even, even if at this point, even if they never went on one land journey together, because they were together on the journey of following Christ, they would go further than if they traveled alone. Let me say that again. Even if they never went on a road trip or a journey together, a literal journey together, the fact that they were following Jesus Christ on that journey together meant that they would go further than had they, not travel, than had they traveled alone. Paul became Paul, the man that we know who was greatly used of God because Barnabas came alongside him. See, that's what God does. God does not put other people in our lives simply to give us a buddy. Oh, that person needs a buddy. He has a greater plan. He has a greater purpose. There are people that the Lord has put in your life as encouragers. Maybe you can look back in your life story and you can say, I remember the person who came alongside me and brought me into fellowship. Maybe you've been that person. Maybe you've been that person with someone else to say, hey, you're new in the faith. You're with me. I, I want to introduce you to some fellow believers so that you do not feel alone and so that you are not in that vulnerable place. I want you to hear me on this, and I don't want you to misunderstand me in this, but I do want you to know from a biblical standpoint that Satan, the enemy of our souls, always tries to isolate God's people. Satan, the enemy of our, by any means possible, if he can get a believer alone outside of fellowship and that can happen in so many different ways. One, perhaps more than any other, is, is through, through bitterness. Somebody, something happens and somebody's offended, and now they begin to see another person as the, uh, as the enemy rather than Satan as the enemy, and they pull back from fellowship, and they isolate themselves. They break off fellowship, and before you know it, they're in a very vulnerable place and sometimes give in. This happens. I've seen it happen as a pastor. And so that's, that's just one way. But there are many ways. The enemy wants to isolate people because he knows that if he can isolate them, then they are more vulnerable. 
all the way back to the book of Genesis. Eve was alone when Satan lied to her. Judas, in the New Testament, Judas, one of the disciples, was alone, the Bible says, when Satan overcame him. Satan tried to defeat Jesus when he was alone. It didn't work, but he tried. Jesus was apart from other people. He was alone in a wilderness when Satan repeatedly tried to defeat him. Thank God he wasn't victorious, but he tried. I'm telling you, we need each other on our journey of following Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. We need each other in our journey of following Jesus Christ. When you came to Christ, I said this just a couple of months ago in a different message, but I have to say it again. When you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you did not just have a change of relationship with him, but you also came into potential relationship with other people. But you have to choose to say, I'm going to connect with them. I'm going to be with them. I'm going to walk this journey with other believers, believing that if I walk with others, I will walk further than if I walked it alone. You show me a, a Christian who has no associations with other believers, and I will, I will show you a Christian who is either weak or vulnerable or falling away. God designed us, built us, wired us to be in relationship with other people. I wonder, how many people, how many people do you know how many people that the relationship to some degree is already there? I wonder how many people just need someone to encourage them, to bring them in and connect them with other believers. How many people do you know that that are outside of fellowship? They, they, they've, they've maybe prayed, but they just need to be brought in. You need to put your arm around them and bring them in, in and say, they are with me. What Jesus has done in you Jesus has done in them, and we are together. How many people, for those who are outside the faith, how many people would become followers of Jesus Christ if someone simply brought them in? What would happen? What would happen in our world, in our community, in your neighborhood, in your area, if people that you are already in fellowship with to some degree, you came alongside them and began to encourage them, to build them up, not flatter them, but to build them up in the faith. How many people do you know, even very close to you, who are right now living in deep discouragement? I, I've commented to a number of people this last couple of weeks, boy, I'll tell you what, there's a whole lot of discouragement in our world. People who are looking at the societal changes that have happened and will continue to happen. People who are looking at some of the, the things that are happening in government or, 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 or in our nation or around the world. And they're deeply concerned and they're living with great discouragement. How many people do you know that are just beaten down because something has happened? How many people do you know? that are facing, they're, they're, they're living with grief because they've lost a loved one. How many people do you know who are, who are living with, with a, a diagnosis that says that this is terminal and you have weeks or months or maybe just a few years to live? 
and they're living in the depths of discouragement and they need someone who is saved by the blood of Jesus and filled with the Holy Spirit who will come alongside them and say, listen, I want you to be with me. How many people can be brought to Christ by a spirit-filled 21st century believer? Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 tells believers in Christ to encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We are called to encourage one another daily. I have met some people, some who even claim faith in Christ. Every time I see them, they're discouraging but thank God for godly people who every time you see them, they're building you up in the faith. They're strengthening you in Christ. We need to be that person. Every one of us. We need to be. This is not written to a few. This is written to all believers. Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Now, turn to Acts chapter 13. There's a lot to this man. Acts chapter 13 here small group of just five Jesus followers. That's a very small group of people. Five Jesus followers were in a city called Antioch. Barnabas and, and, and Paul were uh, two of the five, and uh, they gathered to fast and to worship the Lord. Essentially, they were having a prayer meeting. And they're here in this place, and they're, they're having a prayer meeting, just a, just a small group of people, Never underestimate small things or small groups. Never underestimate the power, right, the supernatural power of even five people when they gather together in Jesus' name. And in that place, these five, in, this, in, this, in, the, in, this, in the middle of that prayer meeting, verse 2 says this, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, that is Paul's Hebrew name or Jewish name, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul or Paul for the work to which I have called them. So the Bible goes on to say that they laid hands on both of them, they prayed for them, and then sent them out as the first recorded Christian missionaries. That's it. The first recorded Christian missionaries were Paul and Barnabas. They had already been traveling companions in their walk with Christ, but now they would hit the road and they would take the message of Jesus to places it had never been before and to people who were absolutely lost without it. And the world, now not just one person, but the world would never be the same. In place after place, this dynamic duo Spirit-filled people went and they shared the good news of Jesus Christ in place after place with person after person and communities and lives and families. Eternal destinations were changed. The world would never be the same. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you are on a journey. Now, I don't know how long you've been on this journey, but some of you, decades. 
some of you just a few days or a few weeks. There are a number of people in our church right now, man, you don't know anything about Barnabas or Paul. You didn't know any of this, and that's fine. You've got the rest of your life to learn, and someday we're going to meet these people face to face in heaven. But when you gave your life to Jesus Christ weeks ago or decades ago, you began a journey. You began to follow Jesus Christ. And when that happened, you were brought into fellowship with other people. You see, you were never meant to travel this journey alone. You were never meant to travel this journey alone. I'm so glad that you're a part of the body of Christ. I'm so glad that Jesus has done an eternal work in you. But you were never meant to travel this journey alone. One of the reasons why we have gathered together as a congregation is not because of a denominational directive. It's not because, well, that's just the nice place to gather and we have a nice place to do it. We haven't gathered here together because we have necessarily like interests in, in, in avocations or hobbies. We have gathered together because we are the followers of Jesus Christ. He has done a powerful work in each one of us, but he has brought us together so that we will encourage each other on this journey. That's why you're here. That's why you are a part of this fellowship. That's why it's really important that you, you connect to a gathering of believers in some way. So that when on this journey of following Christ, you may never go on a road trip together. In fact, quite honestly, there's some of you, I wouldn't want to go on a road trip with you. But we're still on this journey together. There's going to be a point on your journey when you are feeling weak and you need someone to come alongside you and encourage you in the faith. There are some of you who are going to, who are, who are going to end this journey, you're, 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 going to, you're going to fail, you're going to sin. And, and, and you're going to fall down, spiritually speaking. And, and there needs to be somebody there who will come alongside you and pick you up and say, you know what, Jesus died for you and he shed his blood to forgive your sins. I am just a sinner saved by grace like you and we are in this together and they pick you up. You think that accountability groups are something that just in the last 20 or 30 years? No. Why did, why did God bring people together back then? So that when one fell down, the other one was there to pick them up. So that together they would go further than if they, if they tried, tried traveling the journey alone. Here's where it gets a little bit dicey. There may be some of you who, who uh, you, you, you kind of take lightly the, the, the family of God. Just to be honest with you, you uh, maybe you come late and leave early, or uh, you you kind of check the box, did that, but I can't really, but at the same time can't really identify even just one or two people who who would be there to pick you up. You you've you've not developed that relationship with another person who will strengthen you, come alongside you, and build you up in the faith. Um, that needs to change. Uh, there, are, there are some who, who say, I'm a part of that gathering of believers wherever it might be, but it's, it's really, really just kind of hardly anything there at all. 
I've shared before that I've been following Christ for a lot of years more than anything because Jesus, of course, died for me. He's the one who made salvation possible. He rose from the dead for me, but I'm serving Christ today in large part because of people who walked the journey with me and strengthened me in the faith and prayed for me, befriended me and brought me into fellowship. I'm serving Jesus today and I'm serving him better because of other people in my life and some of them are right here in this room. We're in this together. And my heart breaks for you if you have, for whatever reason, used an excuse like, well, I'm just not good with people or I'm kind of shy or... Um, uh, or you've used an excuse like, well, they hurt me or they're rude or, or they, they snubbed me or used something like that. And you, you just got to get over that. And you need to, you need to, you need, you need to connect with another believer. There are some of you who need to disconnect with some people that are pulling you away from Christ. Hear me. There, there are some, there are some of you, the person that you have allowed closest in your life is pulling you away from Christ. And, and that friend, that friend needs to be held back and you need to find someone else who will be that close person who will influence you and speak to you more and more. You've surrendered your, Christ, your life to Christ. You're on a journey, but you were never supposed to travel it alone. Now hear me. You not only need to find that person who will walk beside you in the faith, you need to be that person. Right? So often we just think, oh man, I just need someone. I just need someone. I just need someone. You know what? Maybe sometimes we need to say, oh God, I need to be that someone to someone else. I need to be that person who will look beyond my own needs, what I'm lacking, and recognize and with Holy Spirit opened eyes, identify someone that you can come alongside and encourage them in the faith. So often it's just, we just, we, we want to be the recipient and, and God wants to, you to be the donor, if you will. You mean God can use me? Yes. Yes, God can use you. He wants to use you to come alongside someone else and say, I, I, I want to walk this journey with you. I, I, I want to help you. And I promise you that in doing that, you will be blessed so much. <clears throat> and it's not hard. How many... There's someone you know that needs you to, to take out a piece of paper and write down and, and simply say this, I'm thankful for you, I'm praying for you, I'm glad we're walking on this journey together. Put the address on it, put a stamp on it and send it. And that'll make the, and if the Holy Spirit directed you to do that, it will encourage them and build them up in the faith. Some of you know someone, and, and, and you know this, there have been times when people have asked me, hey, how's so-and-so doing? And I say, well, they're doing actually pretty good, but why don't you call them? They would love to hear from you. 
where's so-and-so? I haven't seen them for a while. Well, I tell them why. And, and Well, then, you know, maybe you just need to contact them and say, how are you doing? You are going to be someone's Barnabas, someone who comes alongside them. So you really need to say, Lord, not only bring that person to me, but Lord, use me to be that person to someone else. And I tell you, I tell you, no, excuse me, God's word tells you that you will go further if you're traveling this journey with others. I'm thankful for the body of Christ. I don't know what is going to happen in the future. I don't know what's going to happen in the next few days or the next week. I don't know. I do know this, that two days from now, five days from now, a week from now, a year from now, if Jesus has not yet returned, Jesus will still be on his throne. I have great confidence and I have great optimism. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that my Lord is in control and that he is still very, very secure on his throne. Glory to God. But I also know that, as I mentioned earlier, the church, the body of, that is the body of Christ, not a structure, but the body of Christ, is often countercultural. And that our culture, like many that have gone before it, is slowly, incrementally turning, not indifference towards the body of Christ, but some, to some degree an antagonism towards the body of Christ. And we are going to need each other more going forward than I think we have even in the past. And so you're going to need to encourage someone. You need to, you, you need to pray for someone. You need to get on the journey with someone. You may never go on a road trip with them, but you need to get on the journey with them. And God will use you. So in the closing moments of this message, closing moments of this service, I want to pray with you. And uh, in fact, I would like you to stand. If you can, if it's at all possible, please stand here. And I want those of you that are joining us online... Uh, you don't need to stand. Um, you can if you want, but I, I do want you to do this. I want you to pray this with us. Right where you are, in that pew, or in that sofa, or sitting at that kitchen table, or even just driving down a road, I want you right where you are to make an altar. And I want you to, I want you to say uh, very simply this, Lord Jesus, I... I want to know you in greater ways. And I, 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 I'm thankful that I'm on this journey. I'm thankful that I gave my life to you and you changed me. But now, Lord, because I'm on this journey, I need to encourage someone else. I need to be someone's Barnabas. Lord, would you change me so that when I walk into a room or I interact with someone, they will be built up in the faith, not discouraged. I don't want any kind of natural charisma. I want supernatural Holy Spirit power. 
to encourage people. I want to be so sensitive to your Holy Spirit that if you at any point during the day simply want to direct me to call someone or Lord, would you do it? Help me to be sensitive to that. Help me to be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit. There are thousands, millions of others who are on this journey. There are millions, multiple millions, billions who do not yet know you. So Lord, would you use me? I am not on this journey by mistake. It's not an accident. You have a purpose. You want to use me. So Lord, right now where I am, this altar of prayer that I'm making right here where I stand or where I sit, Lord, I give myself again to you. Use me to be an encourager to the people who are dismayed and broken down around me. For your glory, it's all about you. It's always only been about you. We pray this. We pray it together. We pray it for ourselves. We pray it for the person on our right and on our left. I give them to you. And now, Lord, as we leave this place in these moments ahead, may we go out from this place encouraged by your word, directed by your Holy Spirit, And use us as your people to a broken down world. We pray this and we believe it in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen. 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 God bless you. Go in the presence and in the power and the encouragement of the Lord Jesus Christ.